I want you to hit me as hard as you can. The Hollywood gossip tabloids call him the butterscotch stallion. Others call him the funny guy with the nose. And some call him the guy who says, Wow. But I like to call him Owen Wilson. Because that's his name, Owen Wilson. Mr. Wilson, if you're nasty. He's one of the founding members of the Frat Pack, a group of fellas who saved comedy from extinction in the early 2000s, and he's an Oscar-nominated writing partner of Wes Anderson. Oh yeah, and he's a big-time movie star. So big that there was a time when it seemed like every actor in Hollywood was eventually going to be cast in an Owen Wilson buddy comedy. But that never happened. Actually, in the past few years, it seems like Owen Wilson blockbusters were uh, becoming an endangered species. But is there a comeback on the way for this talented Texas boy? Well, anything is possible when Owen Wilson is involved. So let's ask that timeless WTF question. What the f*** happened to Owen Wilson? But to truly understand what the f*** happened to Owen Wilson, we must start at the beginning. Owen Wilson was born as a baby on his birthday in Dallas, Texas, 1968, AD. And before we really get into talking about what the f*** happened to Owen Wilson, we must talk about what the f*** happened to Owen Wilson's nose. His glorious nose. Well, Wilson's now iconic nose is the result of two high school-related injuries. And high school can be a dangerous place for noses. First breaking it during a football game. I'm not sure which part of football you play with your nose, though. But he broke it. Then he broke it again when he got into a fight. That majestic nose was never properly fixed. And now he gets to bless the world with that beautiful schnoz. Owen Wilson has only publicly spoken about his nose once, joking around saying that his nose probably wouldn't have been that great if he hadn't broken it. And that's what the f*** happened to Owen Wilson's nose. <laughs> then Owen Wilson needed to get more edumacated and he went to college, where he met Wes Anderson sophomore year at University of Texas. They took a playwriting class together, and their instant camaraderie led to them moving in together. Like a sitcom. BFFs forevers. The apartment that they moved into was very broken down, and every time they complained to the landlord, he wouldn't do anything. So young Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson hatched a plan, a scheme, to stage a break-in to force the landlord's hand into making the necessary repairs. Those sneaky clever bastards. The scheme was hatched and the crime was pulled off. The only problem was, nobody actually believed their story. Because it wasn't the truth. And with that, the idea for their first film was born. Bottle Rocket. Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson wrote a feature-length screenplay for Bottle Rocket, but decided to make it into a short film first, just to test the waters. And it's a wonderful little short film. And as fate would have it, a family friend helped pass the script and short film around town, and it eventually got into the hands of producer James L. Brooks. Mr. Brooks loved the script and the short film so much that he offered the duo $5 million to make their first feature film, also supplying them with a crew. James L. Brooks really believed in the young filmmakers, and Wes Anderson and those Wilson brothers went off and made their movie. Bottle Rocket had the worst 
test screening in the history of Columbia pitchers because their test audience was full of idiots. Frickin' idiots. It is a wonderful picture that is the perfect kickstart to the Wes Anderson cinematic universe. The WACU. But the film was a financial bomb grossing less than one million dollars. Yet critics fell in love with this slickly original offbeat comedy, calling it a mixture of Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs and Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless. After the movie tanked at the box office, Wilson gave serious consideration to giving up acting entirely and joining the Marines. Little did he know that at the same time that he was thinking he was a failure and his dreams were over, the industry was going crazy over this quirky little indie film, and everybody was very eager to see what they would do next. And those hot shots in Holly Weird first threw Owen Wilson into a few small yet juicy parts, like in The Cable Guy and Anaconda, where he was a small yet juicy snack for a snake. <laughs> then Owen got back to writing with his BFF Wes, and they wrote one of the greatest films of the 90s, or even of all time, Rushmore. It's a great screenplay. And once you conquer the indie world, you have only one place to go. The big budget studio summer tentpole. And Owen did just that with the epic love it or hate it disaster masterpiece, Armageddon. Michael Bay directed this explosive epic and cast Owen because he's a huge fan of Bottle Rocket. Michael Bay sure does love explosions, even when they're Bottle Rocket sized. And I love how ridiculous Armageddon is and its ensemble cast is is freaking great, and Owen fits right in. And uh, by the way, thanks for saving the world, Mr. Wilson. Those movie critics were unkind to this masterpiece, saying that it was nice to look at, but it lacked any intelligence. But this movie proved to be critic-proof because it was a massive worldwide hit, pulling in over $550 million. Armageddon! Guys, this is like deep blue hero stuff. Of course I'm in. Wilson would work with Ben Stiller in Permanent Midnight. This is a true story about a drug-addicted writer who... wrote ALF. Then came The Midas Man. Wilson would try his hand at more serious dramatic stuff, and he took on the lead role of this Sundance hit. Nominated for the Grand Jury Prize, which is very prestigious. He plays a serial killer. And everybody praised Wilson's performance, saying it was chilling. They're like, wow. That's chilling. He was then in the horrible horror film, The Haunting. It was nominated for lots of Razzies, but it made a decent amount of money. And I haven't seen The Haunting since I partied like it was 1999 because, well, it was 1999. And I think I remember Owen Wilson losing his head in a fireplace or something. <laughs> then came the new millennium, or the Willennium. 2000. And that's when Wilson would turn into a full-blown movie star. That's right, he went from, hey, it's that guy with the nose, to, hey, it's Owen Wilson. He became a household name. And a household nose. And he kicked off that stage of movie stardom with the kung fu western comedy Shanghai Noon, starring opposite Jackie Chan in this highly successful crowd-pleaser. 
The film would make just shy of $100 million at the global box office and spawned a sequel, where I think they went to England or something, and became Knights, Shanghai Knights, and that one had good reviews too. Most critics saying it didn't live up to the first one, but the chemistry of Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson cannot be denied. The Shanghai movies are most enjoyable, with the kicking and the punching and the jokes and the laughing and the buddy and the comedy. is great. Uh, friendship. Yay. It's always a fun time to see these guys cracking jokes and kicking butt. Owen Wilson would reunite with Ben Stiller in the highly successful Meet the Parents franchise, playing the ex-fiancé of Stiller's wife, who is perfect in every way and everybody loves him. Most of Wilson's hilarious lines are improvised, in a way that only Owen Wilson can, and it's perfect, it's wonderful, it's hilarious, I LOL'd, I laughed out loud. Meet the Parents had mostly positive reviews with 84% on those tomatoes that are rotten.com and pulled in a healthy $330 million worldwide. And the sequels, Meet the Fockers and Little Fockers, had their ups and downs but were very, very successful at the box office. Then there was Zoolander in 2001. Wilson and Stiller would re-team in this satirical look at the male model industry. Ben Stiller wrote this role specifically for Owen Wilson and said that no one else was ever even considered for the role. With critics appreciating the fact that it was deliberately dumb. So dumb that it was smart. The friendship that began with a botched fake robbery had now blossomed into a much respected professional collaboration with Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, receiving their first Academy Award nominations for writing with the Royal Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums? Tenenbaums. Look at that, it's so quirky. And you have to say the word quirky when describing Wes Anderson's films, it's a must. But it's the best kind of quirky. It's the perfect quirk. Owen Wilson and his brother Luke turned down roles in Ocean's Eleven to be in this film. Which I say says a lot about their faith in what they were creating with Wes. Imagine being a brand new movie star and turning down the offer to be in a movie with every big time movie star. The Wilson brothers were like, nah, we're gonna go make this movie with a friend, Wes. And Owen is not the lead in this flick, but all of his scenes are memorable as F. And F stands for f Here I come. Owen Wilson gave action movie stardom the good old college try when he starred in this 2001 film about a soldier shot down, where you ask? Behind enemy lines. And Owen Wilson really is a trooper, he really wanted to be an action movie star. Running around, exploding things, shooting guns, and even separated his shoulder on a Tuesday and was back on set on a Wednesday, because Owen Wilson is an action hero, even though that never really caught on. But the film made a respectable $91 million worldwide off a $40 million budget, and spawned a lot of sequels that Owen Wilson's not in. The critics didn't like the movie, saying it felt like a video game. Which, I don't know, that could be a compliment. He did the buddy comedy thing again in I Spy. Wilson would team up with Eddie Murphy for this big screen adaptation of the popular 1960s TV show. And Wilson admitted that he was very intimidated working alongside comedy legend Eddie Murphy. But I think Owen Wilson held his own, what do you think? The film earned three Razzie nominations including Worst Screen Couple 
for Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson. And I Spy failed to recoup its production budget of $70 million, taking in only $51 million. With golden locks like his, it was only a matter of time before Owen Wilson would play a beach-dwelling surfer, and he got that opportunity in the forgettable 2004 heist comedy based on the novel by Elmore Leonard. The movie got 16% on those tomatoes at Rotten.com, and it's one of those movies where everyone says the book was better. Which actually happens to most movies based on books. All movies based on books. And the movie only made $7 million. Which sounds like a lot of money to people who don't have $7 million, but it's, it's not a lot of money for the Hollywood hotshots. I guess the failure of I Spy did not scare Wilson away from doing another big screen adaptation of a beloved television series, as he would play the Hutch to Ben Stiller's Starsky. In the 2004 Todd Phillips-directed film, the guy who made the Joker, Starsky and Hutch. Critics said the movie was a bit uneven, but it benefited from Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson's chemistry. It's like he's teaching a chemistry class or something. And it was a pretty sizable hit, pulling in $170 million off a $60 million budget. He took a small role in his pal Jackie Chan's movie, an adaptation of the Jules Verne classic Around the World in 80 Days. And also in 2004, he would reunite with his old college partner in crime, Wes Anderson. For this now cult favorite, the film is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Lassu, l'infondo. Yes, what's next for Team Zissou? Wilson would only appear in front of the camera this time, as this was his first Wes Anderson film that he did not co-write, because he was becoming more popular as an actor and did not have time to collaborate on the script. Many critics felt like the movie was too smug for its own good, but I say those critics are too smug for their own good, damn it! So there. But the film only made $34 million off its $50 million budget. But eventually the world would warm up to this weird movie, and still to this day you can see Alamo Drafthouse hipsters rocking that red beanie as an homage to this film. Like this? Just like that. Wilson would take on a role that would reunite him with his brothers in 2005 with The Wendell Baker Story, directed by Andrew and Luke Wilson. But it only grossed like $100,000 in its theatrical run. Poor Wilson Brothers. Then he said, I do to Wedding Crashers, which shot him straight to the A-list. It's the movie that rightfully takes credit for reviving the R-rated comedy at the box office. And Wedding Crashers was voted one of the 50 greatest comedies of all time by the long out-of-print premiere magazine. The film received very positive reviews and most critics praised the chemistry between Vaughn and Owen Wilson. And that's something that we here at Joe Blow have noticed with these Owen Wilson comedies. The critics, regardless of how they feel about the movie, always praise the chemistry between the two leads, which is a testament to Wilson's acting skills and his natural charisma. Like I said, he has chemistry with everybody. Wedding Crashers would become a massive global hit, pulling in $288 million worldwide with an additional $145 million in home video sales. Then, Pixar thought his voice would sound great coming out of an automobile, and he was cast as everybody's favorite talking car, Lightning McQueen. Actually, there's a lot of talking cars that people like, but he, he's one of them. And is this the best Pixar movie? No, 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 no way. 
but I have to admit that Owen's voice is perfect. And Cars made a lot of money, way too much money. And it went on to have two very successful sequels, way too successful. I don't know, I would rather watch You, Me, and Dupree. Speaking of You, Me, and Dupree, Owen Wilson was uh, Dupree in You, Me, and Dupree. A film about a man-child who overstays his welcome. But critics were no fan of Mr. Dupree and you and me. But that did not stop audiences because this movie made a healthy $130 million off a $54 million budget. Go Dupree. Then Owen spent a few nights in the museum, joining in on another popular Ben Stiller franchise. Even though Wilson goes uncredited for his work in the first film, technically it's his highest grossing film, pulling in $574 million worldwide. And Wilson was originally just in the film as a cameo, but test audiences loved his performance so much that they expanded his role with reshoots. That's how good Owen Wilson is. People were like, we need more cowboy. And this also has two very successful sequels that also made tons of money. Hey! What are you doing? Put me down! I don't like to be manhandled! Then it was time for Owen Wilson to team up with that quirky, quirky Wes Anderson again in The Darjeeling Limited, a story of three estranged brothers meeting in India. And this film has great casting because all three of these guys look like they broke their noses falling off the same family tree. The film had generally positive reviews with most critics praising the Indian backdrop, yet noting the lack of a cohesive story. But who cares? It's Wes Anderson. The film pulled in $35 million worldwide with only 11 million coming from the US box office. This is incredible. And a lot of Owen Wilson's work with Wes Anderson has kind of been art imitating life. Because, you see, Owen Wilson's character in the Darjeeling Limited had survived a suicide attempt. And there are similar themes in the Royal Tenenbaums. And that kind of makes you wonder what goes on inside Owen Wilson's head when he's writing these movies. Because it's really hard to watch these scenes knowing what happened in reality. And sometimes reality can be kind of sad. And I always try to make these WTF videos as fun and as happy as possible, but when you make videos about real people, sometimes real things come up. And suicide and depression are very real. In August 2007, Owen's brother Luke found him dazed with cuts on his wrists. He immediately called an ambulance and was taken to a hospital for what was later confirmed to be a suicide attempt. Owen Wilson soon received the help that he needed and he started focusing on his mental health. It turns out that Owen Wilson was dealing with some pain, and he just needed some time to work on that. And as a result of this, Owen Wilson had to drop out of the film Tropic Thunder. And Owen Wilson has not publicly spoken about the incident, and I don't think he needs to. All I can say is that I'm very happy that he pulled through what was an obvious dark time for him, and he seems to be in a better place now. He's one of those funny people who brighten up everyone's day around them, but are fighting dark demons on the inside. And I thank God that Owen Wilson was able to make it through. Because I seriously mean this, the world is a better place because of Owen and the art he created. I know it is for me, and it would have been an absolute tragedy to lose such a bright soul so early. And Owen Wilson is living proof that it gets better.
So, as soon as Owen Wilson felt up to it, he was back to work again. Back to doing what he does best. Making movies. Even if those movies are movies like Drillbit Taylor. That's right, his next movie was Drillbit Taylor, and it was a huge box office bomb. Then came one of the most tear-jerkiest tear-jerkers of all time, Marley and Me. Wilson would star in this true story of a newlywed couple and their dog. And if you're wondering why is this film a tearjerker, well, there's a dog in it. Think about it. And I'm actually not gonna think about it, because when I do think about Marley and Me, I kinda get a tear in my eye. The tears get jerked from my face. Marley and Me opened on Christmas Day in 2008 and had the highest Christmas Day box office of all time, until that Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie came out a year later. The film would go on to make a massive $255 million worldwide. Not all the critics liked this film, but every critic admitted that they shed a little bit of tears at the end. So, uh, that means the movie did something. Then, Owen Wilson reteamed with his good old pal Wes Anderson to provide a voice for a small role in the Oscar-nominated stop-motion animation feature, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Am I getting better, Coach? Well, you're sure as cuss not getting any worse. Really? Then they made a movie about Marmaduke for some reason. Wilson would return to the world of canine feature films, this time voicing the dog, the title character, Marmaduke. It's a big screen adaptation of that beloved comic strip. The movie made $83 million. Critics overwhelmingly loathed the film, calling it dull and unfunny. Marmaduke? More like Marmadon't. Wilson would reunite with the man who sparked his entire career, James L. Brooks, for How Do You Know. This seemingly surefire hit was featuring an all-star cast. Reese Witherspoon, Paul Rudd, Jack Nicholson. And this movie, because of those big stars, cost a lot of money. But since it was a bomb, it lost a lot of money. Like so much money. How Do You Know became one of the biggest box office bombs in history and was the last film Jack Nicholson or James L. Brooks ever made. And I don't think we can blame Owen Wilson 100% for all those things. Wilson would continue to turn out mediocre comedies with films like Hall Pass. The film did pull in a decent profit, making $86 million off a $36 million budget. From the director of Green Book. Then came one of the best Owen Wilson movies ever that was not directed by Wes Anderson. No, this time our boy Owen was directed by Woody Allen in Midnight in Paris, which is probably like the last great Woody Allen movie, right? Wilson would star in this time-traveling comedy that won an Oscar for its screenplay. And Owen Wilson brings a new twist to the typical Woody Allen protagonist, adding his Texas charm to that stuttering, neurotic wit and Wilson received his first, and only, so far, Golden Globe nomination for Best Actor in a Comedy or Musical. And this film is Woody Allen's highest grossing film to date, pulling in $150 million worldwide off a modest $17 million budget. And most people found the story charming, and the leads were enjoyable to watch. It's a great film, I like it. It has, like, historic people like poets and artists and and it's just great to see Owen Wilson interact with like Salvador Dali or Ernest Hemingway or Ed Scott Fitzgerald or other people it's great to see Owen Wilson interact with anybody but you know but when it's midnight in Paris everything's better how long have you been dating Picasso oh my god did I just say that 
Then came the year 2011, which brought the film The Big Year. Wilson starred alongside comedy giants Jack Black and Steve Martin in this comedy about birdwatching. The film cost $41 million to make and pulled in just eight. Critics loved the chemistry between all three of those funny guys, but thought the film did not live up to the expectations of a movie featuring, you know, all three of those funny guys. Then came the long-awaited reunion between Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. But their chemistry could not save the disappointing PG-13 unfunny comedy called The Internship. Many critics called this film just a two-hour commercial for Google. But yeah, this is a film about two guys interning at Google. It's like the worst plot of a movie ever. Picture the greatest amusement park you've ever been to as a kid. Now imagine a place nothing like it and a million times better. That's where we are. Next, he was in the film, Are You Here? He would team up with comedy heavyweights Zach Galifianakis and Amy Poehler in this Toronto Film Festival dramedy. But the film was savaged by those pesky critics who were very disappointed in the film because, you know, it featured such talented people. And it was directed by the guy who did Mad Men. The film failed to even make one million dollars. Wilson would return to the world of the animated film with this Thanksgiving-themed film called Freebirds has nothing to do with Leonard Skinner. It's about turkeys going back in time to change the course of history by taking turkey off the Thanksgiving menu. How dare they? And everybody thought this film was very, very dumb because it's very, very dumb. But the film did okay at the box office making $110 million. You can buy a lot of turkey with that. And uh, I'm gonna give a spoiler alert to Freebirds, so if anyone cares, you know, fly away now. So spoiler alert for Freebirds. The turkeys actually succeed in the end, and they end up changing history, and now people eat pizza for Thanksgiving. That's how the movie ends. Yeah, that's right, I actually watched this damn thing, you know, because of research. And the first 20 minutes are actually kind of clever, but then the rest is just plain stupid. My name's Reggie, by the way. I'm the turkey screaming for his life. Then he worked with director Peter Bogdanovich in She's Funny That Way. The film was given a limited theatrical release. Critics felt the film's cast was exceptional, but the laughs were few and far between, for what was supposed to be an old-school screwball comedy. But it wasn't. The balls were not screwy enough. Then Owen Wilson would star in a music video from The Killers for the song Christmas in L.A. That same year, 2014, came The Hero of Color City. Critics said the film would not appeal to anyone over the age of five. But they need movies too. And it's the lowest grossing theatrically released animated film of all time. No, I really like the or else part. It implied consequences. And in 2014, he would continue on with his collaborations with Wes Anderson, his BFF, in the film Grand Budapest Hotel. Wilson would appear in this ensemble film that would go on to win four Academy Awards and become Wes Anderson's highest grossing film, pulling in over 172 million buckaroos worldwide. That's a lot of money for a Wes Anderson movie, think about it. Critics were again enamored by Wes Anderson's style as a director and felt that this movie in particular was more thought out and emotional than his previous efforts. And once again, Owen Wilson is perfect in this quirky little symmetrical world of Wes. Then Owen Wilson would play a small role as a police informant 
in a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson called Inherent Vice. The film was a hit with those critics appearing on many of their top 10 lists of the year. Then the year 2015 brought us No Escape. Wilson would again zig when you expect him to zag by starring in this thriller about a family trying to escape a foreign land. It was kinda his return to the behind enemy lines, Owen. You know, the action hero that never was. The film split critics with most appreciating the cast's commitment to the roles, but calling the characters one-dimensionally written. But it did make $54 million off a $5 million budget. Then he would go on to work with the director of Napoleon Dynamite in the film Masterminds. Wilson would star alongside Zach Galifianakis, Kristen Wiig, and Jason Sudeikis in this true story of one of the largest bank heists in US history. The film was a critical and financial flop with the critics calling it stale and dumb. And it failed to reach even $30 million worldwide. It ain't no Napoleon Dynamite. And then in 2016, for some reason, someone thought it was a good idea to make a Zoolander sequel 15 years after the first one. And that was a huge disappointment. Zoolander 2 proved that sometimes it's best just to leave things alone, even if they sound really, really, really good looking on paper. And actually film critic Leonard Maltin said that Zoolander 2 was the first movie that he ever walked out of, saying that he was annoyed and impatient with the film's stupidity from the start. Sure, Zoolander 2 made a lot of money, but overall everyone agrees that it was an unnecessary and lackluster sequel. And it was quickly forgotten. Hensel, I need your help! Eric, let me try! It's not working! Then in 2017, Wilson would play himself in his good friend Woody Harrelson's true life story about a crazy night Harrelson had in London. The film was called Lost in London and it was the first ever live movie, as it was shot and broadcast live around the world in select theaters. And in real life, the celebrity in Woody's real life adventure was Leonardo DiCaprio, but all Woody could get was Owen. It's, it's really a technical marvel that they were able to pull it off. The first ever live movie. You got outacted by a dog no, and Marley and me. Yeah. Oh, Marley! Marley! The thing I appreciate about Owen Wilson is his willingness to tackle vastly different projects as an actor. Like the movie Wonder, where he plays a loving father. It's based on a popular book of the same name, you know, if you read books. The film was released on November 17th, 2017, and it had a projected opening box office of $9 million, due to it was opening up against Justice League. But what no one counted on was Justice League, you know, sucking super balls. And that actually helped Wonder move up three times its initial projected box office, making $27 million. And then it would go on to make $305 million worldwide. And I actually only watched one scene of this film, you know, for uh, research. And just that one scene was already starting to jerk tears out of my eyes. Like that fucking Marley dog. I love you. I love you too. That same year in 2017, Owen Wilson would then again try his hand at the rated R comedy, but this time he failed with Father Figures. The film would bomb only making 25 million box office buckaroos. And people just said that the movie was not funny. And that's a big problem with, uh, with a comedy. And then Owen Wilson really hasn't done much since. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was in a commercial for a 
sofa company or something. He plays a guy who really likes sofas. And he did make an appearance on the IFC show Documentary Now, where he took on the role of a cult leader, and it's absolutely hilarious. And he didn't really do anything at all in 2020, which I guess is understandable. Mind blown. But next year is shaping up to be a massive year for Owen Wilson. He's got some more projects coming up, some big ones. And I see a bright, bright future for Owen Wilson, filled with more Wes Anderson movies and even some Marvel stuff too. Wes Anderson and Marvel? As an actor, you cannot ask for anything better right now. So next up is the highly anticipated next collaboration between Owen Wilson and his good old college partner in crime, Wes Anderson, in the film The French Dispatch. This was originally supposed to premiere in theaters July 24th, 2020, but, uh, you know, coronavirus. So we hopefully will see this film sometime in the summer of 2021, maybe? Keep those quirky fingers crossed. And last, but certainly not least, Owen Wilson has officially entered the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU where he will play Mobius M. Mobius in the Marvel Disney Plus series, Loki. And I don't know about you, but Loki seems to be a sure thing guarantee comeback for Owen Wilson. Like a major super duper comeback. Cause it's a major super duper superhero thing. And I hear those are big right now. So I think that this Marvel Disney Plus stuff is the perfect place for Owen to stick his nose. All in all, Owen Wilson seems like a performer that everyone enjoys working with. His performances are always widely praised, even when the films themselves are not. And we all learned that as with everyone we meet and admire, there is so much more to him than what we see in the public. But it looks like Owen Wilson has overcome that darkness, and 2021 is going to be an incredible year for him. So nobody should give a f about what the f happened to Owen Wilson. He's still crushing it. He still has plenty more up his sleeve and up those handsome crooked nostrils. And after all that, looking back at the life and career of Owen Wilson leaves me with only one word to perfectly sum up everything. And that word is wow. Oh wow. 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 watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.